Here we go. Welcome to Get the Facts Jack, a weekly podcast from Jack County, Texas, sharing factual information to the citizens of Jack County. I am your host, Judge Brian Keith Humphreys, and to my left, none other than Frank Hefner, the Jack County Emergency Management Coordinator. That's a mouthful. Couldn't get that out? No, and I don't usually screw that part up because I say it all the time. You have to initialize it just like... You're Everybody the EMC. else, just the EMC. Well, I don't know. There's something that big could be and a bold whole, about that. Could mean a whole different thing, but it's just EMC. EMC. Yes, sir. Well, you know, right now with everything that we're facing with COVID and all the decisions that we're making, I'm going to give you all the credit that goes with emergency management coordinator. Sometimes I don't want that credit. <laughs> <laughs> when it's going south, I don't want that yeah, credit. It's like, mm, we need a heat shield sometimes. Yes, sir. So. Man, we've got a very special guest today. David Spiller is running for House Seat 68. Not just David Spiller. It's the David Spiller. It is the David Spiller. Yeah. No. It's the Patron. Yes. Hefe. <laughs> <laughs> is that it? <laughs> it's just, and some people, I've had a bunch of these calls lately and say, Mr. Spiller, Mr. Spiller. I said, no, it's just David. It's, and it's David unless you're... My grandson and everybody else's grandkid that calls me Davo. Yeah. So other than that, it could be David, could possibly Davo, but no. I've got to say something. I, I really enjoyed, um, you know, spending some time with you last night. We had the uh, candidate forum with the uh, Jack County Republican Party, and I loved your comment about, and these are the things that I look for in these in these interviews and this. The purpose of our podcast is for you to spend 20, 30 minutes with us and that you get to know our special guest on a much more personal level, a more intimate level to to share the things. I, you know, we all have a what we call an elevator spill. You know, one of the things I learned in marketing and sales is, is uh, you know, give me a 30 second spill of my of your story. Uh, much like if you were in an elevator and you just needed to tell somebody who you are and what you're trying to do. So anyway, you know, we're trying to give somebody a 20-minute or a 30-minute deep dive or look into who you are. And I loved last night whenever you told the story about your grandson and the pacifier that he was. <laughs> tell it, get, give, me the, give me the details well, of that again. He's 19 months at Shepherd, and that's Mason and Alex's son, John Shepherd, And uh, he loves... He likes a pass. He's 19 months old. He loves a pacifier, and he's been known to carry a spare pacifier too, <laughs> because if you take one away, he digs around, finds the other, and pops it in. Oh, but he's very generous. He likes to share food, uh, which many of the spillers don't share food very well. Uh, but he likes to do that. But last night he wanted to share his pacifier, and I've never, you know, I've never. He's never really done that. But he, I'm sitting there, and he. Uh, sees me and hugs me and takes a his spare pacifier and sticks, sticks it in my mouth. I'm going, really? Really? Here, Grandpa, so, you need it, this. It is. It's the greatest thing in the world. I love being a grandfather. And I, I can't even – I love telling people that, you know what, the best is yet to come. It's just – life mm-hmm. truly does get better. You think it's great with kids, and it's incredible to see them mature. You have an incredible family. 
Uh, you know what? Been blessed. It, it truly is. You have two sons that have come back and practiced law with you, and I have the privilege of of interacting with them on a regular basis. And so, tell us a little bit about your history. Tell our listeners who is David Spiller. Okay, well, I was born in Jacksboro, raised in Jacksboro, uh, graduated from Jacksboro High School, nineteen seventy nine. Came back here to uh, to live, to uh, to raise my family, to work. And uh, I, I came back after college, after law school, and, uh, I, you know, Ginger and I made a life here, and we have, uh, I, I practice law here uh, with Mason and with Reed, as you mentioned, they're young lawyers, relatively speaking, uh, 30 and 26, and they are married, uh, live here, and, and then uh, Mason and Alex have Shepard, and uh, Reed and Haley uh, are expecting a child, so... Uh, all is good in the Spiller house. So, oh, yeah. Uh, but as far as work, I practice law. I've been practicing for 34 years. Uh, have a very general practice. Do a little bit of everything like what you do when you're out in the country. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, but part of that, also I have a title company, uh, Spiller Title. Um, and it's, I believe, the oldest family-owned title insurance business in the state of Texas. That's it was established. Yeah. That is so cool. That's, yeah. It was established by my great-granddad in 1888, and then he passed it on to my granddad and my dad, and, and now I have that. So, uh, But also, as far as my practice, I've uh, served the city of, city of Jacksboro. I've been their city attorney for 33 years. I think I started uh, a month before I got married, and they said, we're looking for a lawyer, and I said, I'll do it, and uh, not knowing what I was getting into, and I've been there ever since. <laughs> So you, you agree once they don't ever let yeah. you go. No, no. It's like I tell people all the time around the church, you know, you're sitting there and you agree to do something. You don't get out of it until you pass on. Yeah. You know, the one thing you it. don't do in a Southern Baptist church is raise your hand because you'll be volunteering for some committee. Yeah. So, <laughs> right. <Yeah>. right. <laughs> so, um, I do that. I've also been as part of my practice. I've been general counsel for the hospital district since it was created back in 1990. Um, so I've done that. I also do uh, a lot of started. They came out with mediation years ago uh, when it was going to be the coming thing, and and courts were going to require judges going to require cases be mediated before they're they're tried, uh, just as a attempt to do it. And most cases that are settled and, and get mediated, uh, or most that are mediated get settled. And so uh, uh, I decided, look, I need to do that. And so I got credential to be a mediator, and then I've gotten advanced credentialing and so forth and I've probably since 97 I've mediated well over a thousand cases and so I, I do that as well uh so that's kind of practice wise what I what I do yeah so you well, know not only have you know you were born and raised in Jacksboro and went up all the process but you've whatever whatever you've done as far as your family you've instilled that same value in all your kids it's it's really a rarity that your two sons would go off, go to law school, and to make that decision to come back and, and return to the family practice. Um, you know, that that normally doesn't happen. Most of those young men want to go off and make a name for themselves and practice in the Dallas-Fort Worth in Harris County or, or Austin or do that type. But whatever you and your wife, Ginger, has done, you've instilled some sort of very deep-running core value uh, for your sons to come back. And by the way, they do a phenomenal job. They're good lawyers. I mean, I, I love them to death. They're, they're good people, but they're, they're good lawyers. And, and uh, they both went to Baylor undergrad, Baylor Law School. They've been trained very well how to handle cases, try cases. Uh, 
the old man's had to work to stay up with them because uh, they. Uh, you got to get on your A game, don't exactly, you? Exactly, exactly. So, uh, so no, it's been it's been great to have them. I, I've been truly blessed, and I, I didn't tell really either one of them that hey, you need to go do this. Uh, in fact, Mason was uh, pre med, uh, went to med school, you know, for a oh, while, yeah. and uh, decided, you know, I think uh, this is okay, but I think I want to practice law and uh, read. Uh, same thing. He just. Uh, he said, "This is what I want to do," and I really didn't say. I didn't even know if they were going to go to law school if they, if they wanted to come back and practice. But I just said, "Look, if you want to, and it's an option." I've never forced them or told them, "Here's what you need to do." Yeah. But they just wanted to do that. They love Jacksboro. They love rural Texas, and and uh, and they wanted to raise their families here the same way because they they've grown up with it and they see what great people there are and what great things that there are, and and uh, they just wanted to be a part of that. Yeah, your wife is an educator. She and is. so she's taught all the way through the Jacksboro Independent School District. How many years has she? Well, uh, she had she taught thirty years and retired. I tell people she she started when she was fourteen, but she <laughs> she taught and then uh, after sitting out a year, decided you know uh, this COVID deal sitting out uh, timing wise, she just said I just can't sit at home. I yeah. can't lock myself up. I've got to get go do something. And she decided I'm gonna go back to teach. They didn't have an opening back here at Jacksboro, but they did at Graham. So she's teaching high school English in Graham. Oh wow, that's incredible. Wow. Yeah. So you know firsthand the challenges that we have in in rural Texas. You know, and and a couple of those things. Uh, I know that you've also sat on the hospital board for a number of years. Well, I'm not on the board. <clears throat> I'm just the attorney legal for counsel. The but yeah. I've been, but I've been on the school board. Yeah, I've been on the school board. I'm on my 26th year serving on the school board. So. Wow. Uh, you know, that's commitment. If you think mm-hmm. about it, think how long you've served as a uh, uh, council for our city of Jacksboro and then also sitting on a school board and then being council for our school district. Uh, that shows the level of commitment that you have and the buy-in that you have. You know, we all do our proverbial, uh, well, let's do one term, two terms, and then we kind of roll off. Uh, you're you're kind of a mainstay around here. Well, uh I just, you know, my feeling is God has gifted me with certain abilities and, and talents. I've never claimed to be the smartest guy in the room, uh, but I've I've gotten some knowledge over the years by being around some folks that have it. And so, uh, but I feel that, you know, if you have that, then you're, you know, I have a duty, I have an obligation to share that and do what I can. And that's why I feel the same way about, about this race. Uh, I just uh, feel like I've been... Uh, provided certain things that I need, I have a duty and obligation to share those. Well, and, and being married to an educator plus sitting on the school board, I can't imagine some of the conversations you've had, but you know, as you prepare to go to Austin, uh, you know, one of the things that always comes up is, is about schools. And, uh, we talked about tax reform, uh, and you know, at the, the, uh, the school district is one of our largest, um, burdens whenever you talk about property taxes. And so, uh, I know that's probably going to be a topic that's coming up in Austin. A matter of fact, today is the first day of the legislative session. Sure is. Now Mm -hmm. think about it. We have a vacant seat right now. There's nobody down there talking about house seat 68 right now. I've thought about it all day. Uh, we've got a seat. We need we need a voice. We need an advocate. We need someone down there because, uh, as I said last night, whatever the issue may be, uh, it's kind of like having a, uh, you know, if you've ever fed or been a part of a football team and you have a team meal, 
uh, and you show up to participate in that meal, you don't want to be late to the meal because right. the odds are you're, you're going to get left out. Yeah, there may not be crumbs. anything left to eat. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, it's imperative that we get someone down there and get someone down there as quickly as we can and, and uh, because there are too many important decisions uh, taking place. Yeah, and, and our voice needs to be heard. One of the things that um, the majority of the decisions that are being made, because that's where the population is, is in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, Harris County, Travis County, Bear County, that's where the population is. And so we need a strong, loud voice to protect rural Texas. And, you know, your background, your history, your committed, your commitment to rural Texas, uh, pretty much, Spiller, this is, you've committed yourself to Jack County. Right. Uh, you've been here for forever, and you've you've given back to our community. And, and that's that says volumes about about your moral character. It truly does. I just feel called. I feel obligated. I feel, uh, I'm excited. I, I mean, I'm really excited uh, about it and I've looked forward to it. Uh, you know, uh, I thought long and hard before I got into this deal. And, uh, uh, they say that the, and I talked to some folks and they said the ones that just say, yes, I want to do it. Um, uh, those aren't the folks that, that, you know, uh, that you need. It's the ones that think long and hard and think about all the the pros and cons and weigh it both ways beforehand. And, and, and I did that. And I, you know, you, first and foremost, I have an obligation to provide for my family. Um, and, uh, you know, you, you think about all those things. I mean, you're, you know, we spend our lives making a living for our family. My wife works hard, uh, but, but we're a team and, and you, you think about all those things and you think, can I, can I do this? Is this what I need to do? And I just feel led and, and called that, that, this is what I need to do. Right. It's almost a natural next step. Your your sons are here to ensure that the family practice continues, and it allows dad, just the same way that your father would and his grandfather, to you know go down another path and to, to create opportunities for all your family. Because uh, if you are successful in this race, it's going to become a legacy for the Spiller family. It truly is. Well, I mean, I don't. I don't know. I, I just I'm I'm proud of them and the job that they do. I'm not trying to create a legacy. I just I just feel like I need to serve and and I feel that uh, that I would be the the person to do that. And and I'm you know I'm not trying to make a grand statement well, here. I, I just you know sometimes and I tell Frank all the time that sometimes we have to brag about ourselves. And I mean I know you're you're modest and and you probably don't necessarily uh, even though you're attorney you don't like the spotlight on you on your accomplishments, but you know what that that says volumes that you you have not just a short term record but your experience is vast and the dedication and to the level of commitment that you have to our community um, speaks volumes. I I'm I'm big now. Of course, I'm trying not to be too judgy, but I get so tired of hearing people what they tell me they can do. I like to see what you've done. So show me what you've done. Tell me what you've done in the past. And to me, that that speaks louder than anything anybody can say. Yeah. So uh, kudos to you. I, I commend you for your service to our community Thank and everything you. like that. But that also, that prepares you for, um, uh, you know, <laughs> we are getting older. But in that maturity, the experiences are what gives you value. And so as you go down to Austin, that will that will enable you to be a better legislator. And one of the things that I really think that stands out is your experience in mediation. 
you've mediated thousands of different cases. And when you go to Austin, you got to work with people. Right. It's, <clears throat> and I think the skills that you get in mediation about listening to people, uh, because you, you can't, as an attorney, you do a lot of talking. Is a mediator, you do some talking, but you do a lot of listening. Yeah. And you need to listen carefully to what people are saying because uh, that's important. And I think the communication skills that you develop with that and the ability to work through conflict uh, and try to get people to give a little compromise and especially for them to see the other side because in litigation, sometimes people haven't really looked at the other side. And so you force them to look at the other side you force each side to look at the other and you try to develop compromise and understanding. And maybe at the end of the day, I tell folks, you know, you may, it may not be the most fun you've ever had and you may not uh, love it, but you can live with it. And so if we can do something even for our district and I bring those skills uh, to, uh, to the legislative process, I think that I can help us and help our district and help the people of Jack County and, and every, every County that's in this district, you know, because basically Austin is a cesspool of conflict. I mean, we see what's happening in Washington, D.C., but uh, if you, I guarantee you if you'll turn on the news tonight, you're going to see conflict in Austin, Texas, oh, right, yeah. right down the road. It's yeah. happening. And, and so there needs to be some voice of reason and, and uh, rationality brought to that, and, and, you know, hopefully I could do that. Yeah, I, I definitely think that you will. Plus, you know, the other thing that's really come out in our conversations over the last few weeks is that the best uh, type of government, the most effective type of government, is local government. You've been involved, front line, of local government. You've served on pretty much any board that's available in our community. And, uh, you know, your your mindset going down there is we don't like it when Washington, uh, you know, uh, makes a decision and tries to push it to the state, and then the state tries to push it down to local government and then we have to react it. Uh, you know, when you go to Austin, you'll also be taking, you know how it feels to uh, have Austin tell us what we're going to do in Jack County. And so uh, I think that's a huge advantage. Uh, you, you, will, you will bring that voice to Austin. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a firm believer in local control. I have been for years. Uh, we've advocated it from the school standpoint and from others in the city because uh, the government that works best at that which works locally uh, – whether it be county, city, school, hospital, or whatever governmental entity it is, folks in Austin don't understand our issues, our problems. Who better to deal with our problems than us? We, right. we can find our own solutions. But we don't like it, as you say, when Washington dictates to us and can, tries to control us about what we can do, what we can't do. And yet people in Austin complain about that. Legislators in Austin complain about it. But they do the same thing to us. They turn around and pass these things on to us. And and it's like, look, is that really necessary? Why can't we decide locally what we want to do? We should be able to as as, uh, as Texans, as Americans. We have that right and we have that ability. And the odds are we can do it a lot better than they can do it yeah, for us. I definitely yeah. agree with you on that. So what do you think some of the hot topics are going to be in this legislation? I'm just going to tell you right now, uh, local government, being the county judge, you know, kind of the one that keeps – peace and calmness in our commissioner's court and gives direction and advice. Uh, we all kind of brace up whenever legislative sessions meeting in Austin because we're scared to death. What do you think is going to be some of the hot topics coming up? Uh, first and foremost, redistricting. It's got to be 
the biggest issue because it affects us directly. It affects every county in this district because uh, we're rural uh, and we are underrepresented. Uh, we are outnumbered uh, by urban legislators, and they uh, try to control, make the rules, and they, they don't understand us. They don't understand our problems. They don't understand the – the uh, sometimes they don't understand our, our – uh, beliefs and and truths and and they uh, they are they work against us and we need to have an advocate that that understands that and is willing to fight for those things and especially with redistricting we run the risk of being brought into another district a more urban district and uh, you know I'm not saying Dallas or Fort Worth but there's some more urban areas around us that yeah. we could easily and I've seen a number of different maps I've seen a num- number of different proposals many of which I don't like it all. Mm-hmm. I don't like it all because it's a threat to us. And because when you cut up this district and, and these folks get uh, uh, sent to other more more urban areas, uh, then they lose their voice because the people that, you know, the guys that are from the urban areas, they don't need your vote. And if they don't need your vote, they don't need your opinions. They don't care about your problems generally. Uh, it's it, You have become you become unrepresented is what yeah, you become. Yeah. I think you're exactly right. And whenever you say urban areas, you're, we're talking about our adjoining counties. You know, Palo Pinto, not necessarily Palo Pinto, but let's say Parker County and Wise County. Um, obviously, there is a substantial number of votes in Parker County, and the voice is important. And if we get lumped in or pulled into that area, then you have to listen to where the voters are. That's normal in politics. And – um, very easily we could be silenced. I mean, just with something as easy as going, uh, some people would say, well, I don't mind being with Wise County and, and Parker County. They're country people. No, they're not. I mean, it's, it's the Metroplex expanding and, right. and the majority go, go drive, go drive through Springtown and go to Parker County and cut through Poolville or Peaster. Those aren't Parker County people. They're people from the Metroplex moving out and, I know a lot of folks in Parker County, and they're good people. It's, I'm not saying anything disparaging about them. I'm just saying we don't really need – I don't want to be lumped in with them. We don't need that to happen. And there are other urban districts throughout that surround us that that not just for as it affects Jack County, but other counties, they have the same fear. I, I went out to uh, – I covered and spoke in 10 counties out of our 22-county uh, district uh, last week, and they have the same fears, the same concerns, the same worries – of, of losing their voice. And some of those folks feel, and Representative Springer's done a fantastic job staying in touch with folks, but there are a lot of people out, out in this district that just feel, um, they feel like they don't have a voice or they're in fear of losing their voice. Right. Well, and some of the same problems that we have, maybe with Cottle County or, or as you, we speak the same language as the West Texas guys. We still want to associate with that way of life. And one of the things that you're very familiar with is is the challenges that rural hospitals have. Um, you know what? We are so blessed by having an incredible medical facility here, a hospital. And, uh, you know, yes, there are some criticisms, but I'm guaranteeing you, uh, you have done a phenomenal job taking our hospital to the next level. Or I know you're legal counsel on it, but you've been involved in, in that behind the scenes to make sure it's been done correctly. But it's very easy for counties like us to lose our hospital. Yeah. And it's happening all across West Texas. I sat in a, uh, a commissioner's court meeting in 1989, 
And the vote was whether or not to close the hospital. And it almost passed. And thank goodness it didn't. And we were allowed to keep it open. Then we went through, we created our district, we did the other stuff. But even still, there every day is a challenge. And we went from uh, having a 1956 built, Hill, built with Hilburton Funds uh, facility that frankly was not going to pass Medicare inspection. The next time they, they pretty much told us, you, it's not because of your your staff and your people, it's because of your facility. And right. you can't, because of all the limitations with asbestos and everything, it, it was not did not make economic sense to, to do more there. So something had to be done. Uh, and uh, today we're in much better position. And uh, But, you know, I met this morning with uh, uh, hospital folks in, in Alney, with uh, Hamilton Hospital in Alney, and they have the same issues, the same concerns that we do. I've talked to hospital administrators throughout this district because I'm, I've been active in TORCH, Texas Organization of Rural and Community Hospitals, been active in THA, Texas Hospital Association. And I'm familiar with the issues and the, and the plot and the, and the challenges of rural hospitals. There have been more rural hospitals closed in Texas than any other state. It's, uh, and that they're scares closing me all to death. Us. It yeah. really does. It scares me to death. And I just, we have to have the hospital. When... One of the things that we work in as the EMC and county judges is whenever that phone, when somebody pushes 911, we want that to ring, and we need first responders going. You don't care. You just want some help, and you want them to go, your loved one, whether it's yourself or your loved one, you want them to be transported to a facility that can get them the best care available, and we have that in Jack County. We do. I'm so proud of our hospital and everything that they've that, accomplished. And you're on a time limit. I mean, it's not that you have an hour to drive. You don't. You have a time limit, and that time limit is critical. And uh, get them to a facility where the staff can take care of them, and they do. Faith Community does a wonderful job at, at doing that, and then allowing them, if they can't continue that care, get them out and keep yeah. moving them forward. Right. Go ahead and go to a bigger regional right. hospital. That's fine, but but our family members and our people in our community are receiving that immediate medical attention, right. and really. That's what our job is right. all about. Fant- so, and they do a fantastic job they do out a, there. They do a great job. You know, another big factor, uh, something that's that's happening, and it's not a popular subject, is talking about water rights. Um, you know, your extensive knowledge of uh, real estate law and title work and how property rights are conveyed, uh, you know, uh, there's really not a lot of uh, a court uh, decisions made upon you know, wind and and the rights of wind, that's still being hashed out now in solar farms. And so, and then we also have a very delicate subject about water rights. And so, you know, your knowledge and experience uh, and and exposure to these these things are major as you go towards Austin. And so, well, and Back in the day, uh, we have we fought uh, for when when our it was apparent that our existing uh, Jack I mean Lake Jacksboro wasn't going to provide enough water and water for our people, and we wanted to build a lake and we looked at studies and so forth and and ultimately ended up building Lost Creek Reservoir, but uh, which provides water for hopefully for generations to come. But at the time, you know, we just take that for granted today, but that was a fight. Yeah. That was a huge fight. And back then it was Tarrant Regional Water District. They fought us every step of the way. We had to, uh, uh, we went to uh, uh, litigation, we went to arbitration, we went to mediation, we went to all that. And, and at the time they said, it'll never fill up, you'll have nothing but a mud hole. And we have all the engineering studies to show the opposite. And the truth was the thing filled up three times while we were building it. And then we had to, uh, uh, 
you know, we had to uh, drain it just to get the thing built. So, and we had struggles getting it done. We had problems with the uh, contractor and so forth. So I've dealt with all those type of things and we, we have that now. And, and, uh, uh, folks, so we talked fought what is now Tarrant regional water district, but surface water is a big thing around us. But as you travel farther West in the district, you also have the, the big concern is, is, uh, underground water. You bet. And you bet. I've talked to many people out there. It's the same concept. Uh, the, we own the water. We can, I mean, we have the right to it, but we're having some of those rights taken away from us. And, uh, and we as individuals and, and we as entities uh, need to fight for that and need to know how to fight for it. Well, and as the demand, you know, you mentioned as the Metroplex is creeping in, they need our water. We have land. We have water. They have a higher rate of consumption. And what I hear on a regular basis is as people come into the southeast part of our county, you know, we've always had water. Our water wells working great. We've never had a problem. And now, whenever you poke straws all the way around you, and the majority of the people moving out, you know, they truly do uh, water their grass, and they have animals, and they they love our way of life. But our aquifers can only handle so much, and you can only poke enough straws in there. And sooner or later, uh, your your water well's not working. And we, you mentioned we take it for granted, and water is going to be a big fight in the future, kind of looking forward. So um, I appreciate your knowledge and your voice and, and what you bring to the table uh, because it's critical that rural Texas still has a voice. And, and what goes hand-in-hand hand with that, you've uh, mentioned uh, land rights, and I, and I deal, I've handled probably – I've been involved in over 200 eminent domain cases, so yeah. I understand property rights. I understand the way the law was. There were some law changes uh, uh, the last session or so, uh, providing landowners some opportunities where the condemnor had to provide uh, uh, appraised value before they have a hearing and so forth. But but there are some inequities in that still. And, and being a part of the process, I know what those are. I can see those, and, and I've got some possible solutions uh, from through the appraisal process, the way, and I don't want to bog down this <laughs> podcast was going through uh, something dry like going through appraisals, but <laughs> there's some things with that that can be done. There's some things on the other end where they appoint special commissioners that there's some uh, things that can be done there. There's there's several things that can be done to address that, and I know that that's a that's a concern of people throughout this district. So, so early voting started yesterday. Is that correct? Correct on correct. the eleventh, and so the election date is Saturday. January 23rd, correct? is that correct? So, uh, you know, I know that you're traveling all through all the districts. Uh, you know, there's, uh, uh, you know, Cook County is probably one of our most populated districts, followed by Monte County. So uh, I meant you had mentioned that you had traveled through uh, at least 10 of them of the diff- different areas. What has been one of the most unique places that you visited with, or have you, have you got a funny story about somebody that you met that really made an impression upon well i mean you've, you've gone through this process it, it's it's everyone is different it's not i mean they're different and they're not they have the same concerns and so forth but it's different how you're received in every county all of the reception i've gotten from everyone has been fantastic and if you know if you just get to talk to people i'm i'd rather sit down and and talk to people than what i would send in emails and texts and so i know that that's what we have today but i'd rather sit down and talk to people and and understand what their concerns are and we've had some great conversations uh with folks i covered last week the 10 counties in the 
southern part of the western part of the district. I'm covering nine. I've got nine stops, I think, tomorrow uh, in in the northern part. Mm-hmm. And so I'm looking forward to that. Um, I've been invited to lunch at Shamrock uh, to the Shamrock Civic Booster Club. And yeah. that's where it all happens, apparently, yeah. in Shamrock, yeah. Texas, up that's at Wheeler County. That's the place County. to be, huh? It yes. sounds like it, yeah. <laughs> so uh, so uh, uh, I'm looking forward to that. But I'm looking forward to each stop. And, uh, and uh, But, no, every everybody has been receptive. I, the funny thing, I went to Dickens. And went to the Dickens courthouse, and, I th- and during COVID, I said, "Look, when we meet, it's a it's a sh- short stop. We're going to be there thirty minutes, forty five minutes. We'll visit." But I said, well, "Let's just meet on the steps of the courthouse." So yeah. every one of these, I sent out an email to all the people. Said, "We'll be on the steps of the courthouse." Well, you get to Dickens and the old courthouse. It's there. There's some steps there, but the whole building's locked up. And I thought, nobody's here. <laughs> <laughs> Reed, Reed, my son, went with me, and we stopped, and we ate some really good barbecue out there. In fact, oh, yeah. ran into people that knew people from Jacksboro, and so it was great. <laughs> but we get to the courthouse, and nobody's there. And we walk around the building, and there's a courthouse. and They built an annex. We walk in there, and there's a room full of people, oh. and they're just waiting to uh, judge out there, one of the commissioners and a lot of folks from the courthouse. And so super nice people. And we had a – actually, we stayed, we overstayed our, our – trip there but we caught up uh driving wise we don't want to talk about that but we <laughs> but we uh He's some really great people out of it yeah. <laughs> really great people and, and uh yeah and uh great time so i love that i you know that's the great thing the people of rural texas we all speak the same language yeah. and we all have the basic core values we love being texans and that's what we, we want to make sure that we keep that spirit alive and so uh, David Spiller, man, I know your time is so very valuable. I know this is a whirlwind campaign, and I know you've got a lot of places to be, and I really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, you know, everybody knows you in Jack County, so I know that you're better served being away in other areas, but I hope that our listeners will just take a few minutes to share this information, to share this intimate uh, personal time with you, and I uh, hope that it helps you in your in your fight for uh, House Seat uh, 68. So, any other final comments that you'd like to uh, to share? No, I'm just I appreciate the opportunity. I really I really do, and I think this is a great thing that you've got with the podcast and getting the word out to folks. And and uh, so, no, I, I applaud y'all for for doing this and you for doing this. And it's a great uh, media uh, outlet to to get the word out to folks. And uh, I think it helps when people. Rather than just see things on Facebook, if they hear things firsthand, I think that's 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 a much better deal. It is, and get to know David Spiller, so uh, and wife Ginger, uh, and their their kids Mason and Reed. Uh, by the way, I've got to give a shameless plug. Reed's wife makes the most absolutely melt in your mouth incredible sugar cookies that I have ever tasted, and I am a huge fan. And if I could have an endless supply of her cookies, I would. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that'd be 150 pounds more. We consumed, she she made cookies for, we had a swearing-in ceremony just last week. And I, I thought, well, how many how many do we need? We, we ordered four dozen, right? She handwrites on each of these cookies, you know, Jack County, and she draws oil yeah. wells and, and derricks and things like that. They were consumed in less than five minutes. I mean, they were the hottest thing um, I, you yeah. know, during the swearing in, people love her cookies. She has a, and I, I love both my daughter-in-laws. I couldn't ask for better daughter-in-laws. Alex Mason's wife is a, is a great mother, a great teacher. She teaches fifth grade 
in, at Jacksboro Elementary. Haley uh, teaches uh, kindergarten uh, at Jacksboro Elementary, and then but Haley does this deal with the cookie, and it's called the cookie cutter. If you go on Facebook, you can search the cookie cutter. You can just look at all. She takes pictures of these things. So you can look and see what you're yeah. getting. It's unreal. No, it is. Yeah. So. Incredible families, both of your both of your sons. Uh, you should be proud of everything that they've accomplished. Uh, you know, your mom is still with us. And uh, uh, you know what? She is. She has been a mainstay there at the... Uh, at the title company and the law firm right. for years and years. And, and I, I love to watch again, going back to my comment, you know, sometimes if you watch people and how they conduct themselves, uh, I've watched your boys be so terribly respectful and, and accommodating to your mom and, yeah. and you can, you can just see it. So I have the privilege of working with your family on a daily basis. I have the privilege of seeing and, and experiencing those things. And I want to make sure our listeners know it's easy to be a politician and tell people the things you want them to hear. But when you do it and you live it and your family just excludes uh, community and service and, and dedication, um, I think people need to know that about you, David. Thank you for saying that. I'm I'm a very blessed man and, and Ginger and I are blessed and I couldn't, I couldn't be happier. Most important thing, listeners of uh, get the facts, Jack, make sure you go vote. Uh, you know, it's in, it's very important that we have a voice in Austin. Uh, our seat currently is vacant, and we need, the reason why we're doing this quickly is we need the right voice in Austin to represent our district. And so, uh, David Spiller, congratulations. I, you're doing a phenomenal job. Keep it up. I wish you the very best as you uh, finish out. Uh, make sure January 25th, uh, if you missed the early voting, make sure January 25th on Saturday. What up? You 23rd. Go out and do 23rd. 23rd. Yeah. Oh, man. Don't wait till the 25th. 25th. You're yeah. too late. No, nah, too, too late. late. Yeah, 23rd. Uh, you know, make sure that you go out and, and uh, cast your vote. And uh, for nothing else, just just vote, please. Uh, we don't anticipate a, a huge turnout. Uh, people don't quite understand what this, uh, why we're doing it. But uh, it is so critical that uh, we put the right person in Austin. So I agree. Thank, thank you. you very much. I Thank appreciate you for it. having me. You bet. Frank, take us out.